and welcome to Rebel Hearts, a podcast dedicated to the rebel girls and riot girls in the music industry and why they matter. Each episode will feature songs by bands you just need to hear. So if you think you're ready, I will see you in the front. and welcome back to Rebel Hearts. This is episode 25 and I wanted to do something I haven't done yet and probably won't do again, but this episode is going to be a line-by-line interpretation of this song, No Friend, the 11th song off Paramore's fifth record, After Laughter. I chose to do this episode because since it came out, I have felt deeply connected to it. No, because I can't really relate to it, but because I think the lyrical content is so much heavier than people realize. My friend on Twitter, you guys definitely know her. Her name is Eleanor. She did something like this on Twitter a few months back. I wanted to go further with it and also put my own opinions on it because the more I listen to it and the more time that passes, I feel there's more we aren't talking about. Just as a disclaimer though, these are my feelings. When I start to go line by line, these are my thoughts. I'm not speaking for the band or Aaron Weiss. This episode is to talk about what the song makes me think about. The song is absolutely brilliant and I needed it to be on this record. So all that being said, before After Laughter was officially released on May 12th, the album leaked a few days prior. Haley acknowledged it at their exit in show that was kind of their pre-release show for them. So this is what she said at that show. We, uh, we have a new album. I won't lie. I listened. However, I only allowed myself 20 seconds of each song prior to the release because I still wanted it to be special. And also the original track listing had Idol Worship outro featuring Aaron Weiss on it. And my ass needed to know if that was real. Idol Worship outro was later named No Friend, obviously, and I was super excited about it. I love Me Without You. They're one of my boyfriend's favorite bands. We've been seeing them live since we've been together, which is almost a decade. Super crazy, I know. He even told me while January 1979 was playing, the first time we ever hung out, that if he ever gets into a car crash, that's the song he wants to die to. So needless to say, I was really here for No Friend. But holy shit, guys, Paramore fans were not here for it at first. The people who listened complained about how the song was a waste and how if they were going to do an outro, why was it a three minute long song? It's not a Paramore song, literally just the most ridiculous criticism. And I say that because it literally is a Paramore song minus Haley. And that bothered me the most. 
Paramore is playing the music. Haley and Taylor also are credited with co-writing the song. And it brought me back to the whole Paramore as a band thing. And it bummed me out because people wrote off this heavy song that is literally the most fitting for this record. Just really well done. But it was because Haley wasn't on it that they were just writing it off. And I know that's not why everybody who didn't like it felt that way. But that was the vibe I got when people said that this isn't a Paramore song when literally the entire band is on it. And Haley even co-wrote it. So there you go. Haley is on the song. I think the song was bold as hell for putting another singer on it and taking Haley away. It's something we've never seen really done by Paramore. The only other collab that they've done to date is the deluxe self-titled where Joy Williams and Haley redid Hate to See Your Heartbreak. So that alone makes this song super special. The band went track by track with Zane Lau that was released with the record. They spoke about how no friend was written i'm going to play that for you guys just so we have a complete picture of what the song is about and we can move on from there no friend all right it's, this is like the easily the strangest thing you guys have put on a record in a great way and um what i love about it is that it's is that it exists mm. do you know what i mean when i say that mm. it could easily be one of those things like that was a fun day in the studio mm. but somebody had to go to bat for that when, who's, who's doing it is it you the vocals. Yeah. No, it's our it's our friend Aaron Weiss from yeah. Me Without You. Wow. Okay. Um, we just played. Yeah. In, in a room to, that was tracked live, and we. Yeah. Most of it. Yeah. Most of it. Yeah. Yeah. And what's he saying? Uh, are we supposed to know? You, or are we supposed to figure it out for ourselves at some point? The lyrics will be out there for sure. Um, I would I would love for people to see what they pull out because I think that would be telling. Smart. But. Um, and I, and I figure if you wanted us to know, it would be louder in the mix. It would be. Isn't yeah, that? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm so good. Yeah. It's good. That was very intentional. <laughs> You're good at this. Yeah. You should get hired. Yeah, we, we kept it low. But I think, um, we're, you know, we grew up on Me Without You. We grew up on that band. They've done tours with us and played shows with us. And, and we've become friends with them. And Aaron is um, his lyric. I, I feel like this really showcases um, him doing his thing. I mean, this is mm. him. Just through and through, and there's a, there's nice storytelling, and then mm. also he was very sweet and in his writing, and he picked up kind of lines from Paramore songs and oh, cool. strung them through and made it about our story. So let's get into this. First off, the intro of the song. The intro is Aaron speaking, but we can barely hear it. Paramore went on the live lounge in Chicago and a fan asked a question about it. If you helped Aaron write the lyrics for No Friend or was it all him? And what were your and Taylor's reactions to what he wrote since you're such huge Me Without You fans? Oh, that was such a cool night. In the mic. That was such a cool night. <laughs> <laughs> Taylor got the file from Aaron and just like played it and just looked at me and waited for me to realize what, what was happening. And when I did, I almost threw up. It was awesome. In a good way or a bad way? Both. No, yes. in a good way. Um, uh, the so that was so. Uh, there's two vocals going on. It's Aaron from Me Without You. Just in case you didn't know, it's it's um that has been like uh, one of Taylor and I's favorite bands since we were like 
12 and 13 years old, like since we met pretty much. Um, and um, and they're friends of ours now too, so that made it more special. But there's two vocals going on, and if you listen, he he begins to speak one, and then he starts to sort of yell another. And this the spoken one is an email that I wrote him, and uh, I'm glad you can't hear all of it because it it just again it just gets dark. But uh, because we're friends, it was cool because I was trying to explain to him what idol worship was about and just about what it feels like to, you know, hate yourself, um, maybe not every day, but a lot of days, and then have people tell you something opposite. And I was like, it, it's just debilitating sometimes, you know? And so he, he and I talked about it a little bit, and um, and he, can't, he was like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do anything I feel proud of, but then like a week later, he sent us back the vocal, and we were like so just honored, honestly. It was He's an amazing writer. Taylor, any? <laughs> I'll get ready for this. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, it was amazing. <laughs> cool. <laughs> A bunch of people have tried to make it out. I haven't gotten any further than them, to be honest. So far, the only lyrics anyone has ever picked out is these old letters from years ago. I felt it was leading to... Uh, and then nobody has anything after that. And then when I wrote this, I may have finally been able to address how it feels, which even with that is telling in itself, Idol Worship Alone is a super heavy song. Paramore fans feel it. I've been talking about Idol Worship since it came out. I feel like Haley saying, I may have finally been able to address how it feels. If that's even what she wrote, we will never know. It's. It seems like she's saying she's talking about finally being able to speak up about these themes that she was talking about in idol worship, the idea of being put on a pedestal and all the pressure people put on her and the band to be this role model and perfect example of human beings. I mean, shit, it's 2017 and people still won't let go of once a whore, you're nothing more because of the pressure Haley is put on to be perfect. And this perfect idea of feminism and wholesomeness and all of this bullshit. So I feel if that's what Aaron is actually saying, that's how I feel that this line is what this line is saying finally being able to conjure up the words and put them to the feelings that she's held on to for years probably so that's all I have to say about the intro because nobody actually knows what she's saying or what she wrote and he's saying so let's go on to the next line So for me, this line represents another record they're making, a different town that they're doing this in because they've never done a record in Nashville. I look deep into this because it sounds almost hopeless. Like, here we go again. This entire string of lyrics sounds a little hopeless to me personally. And I say that because in the anxiety episode I did, I said I really hope Paramore made this record because they wanted to, not because they had pressure of the fans and the record company and all of that, but I really hope that they had made this record because they wanted to. Haley actually tweeted me and said that to answer my question, this is her, Taylor, and Zach's favorite thing that they've ever done as a band, but the way this is written and just sang, it just sounds super hopeless. <laughs> the line, another misspelled band burning their own houses down is referenced to a Paramore song and the incorrect spelling, since the correct spelling is technically P-A-R-A- M-O-U-R. 
But the band chose to go with the spelling of their friend's maiden name. They've said it in a bunch of interviews back when they were starting out. And the burning their own houses down is a callback to the track from Riot, Let the Flames Begin, that says this is how we'll stand when we burn, when they burn our houses down. And I also feel the line is referring to self-sabotage, which is a theme that's been explored on this record a bunch. And even the line in Caught in the Middle where Haley says, I don't need no help. I can sabotage me by myself. The line, Another Star, A Touch of Orange over Purgatory Gray is probably a reference to Haley's hair when it was orange and in a way it's like a glimmer of hope and a glimmer of color over depressing and dark themes and times and probably filled this entire record you know which is funny because her hair wasn't orange the entire process of this record being made so that's what I have to say about that next up we have I personally feel these are the heaviest string of lyrics that I have heard in a long time. People ask me on Twitter why I felt this way, and I'm going to break it down. Again, I feel Aaron is talking about self-loathing and self-sabotage, the fruitless seed basically saying, what's the point? And going through a thorny field, basically saying this record was a difficult thing to make due to lyrical content and themes, and the doubt of, is it? is this going to be worth it? Are people actually going to like this? And then another song that runs too long. People think this is referring back to the last track of self-titled, which is future since the song is Paramore's longest clocking in at seven minutes and 52 seconds. And then saying God knows no one needs is a call back to the track from brand new eyes looking up where it says God knows the world doesn't need another band. But now I get into the next set of lyrics, which are more misguided ghosts, more transparent hands to drop a nickel in our basket and we'll do our right dance. Misguided ghost is a song from brand new eyes obviously and i'm going to say in this instance this represents the fans we are the misguided ghosts and then he says more transparent hands to drop a nickel in our basket and we'll do our riot dance now i take this lyric really far and i'm sorry in advance if this is reaching but i'm I have to say it. I feel this lyric is saying people feel entitled to the band because they're paying money. And I get this picture of people throwing money at monkeys and expecting them to dance for them. The lyric is sad and it's heavy in my opinion because of how I feel it and what I think it represents. You know, it's like they're animals on display and we throw change at them to dance and perform for our benefit. And I know that's not the case because Paramore love touring and I know they love performing. And maybe there was a time they felt that they had to like they were obligated to because people kept giving them money to and I'm not saying they're fueled by money or that they all want money I I know that for a fact that they don't but if people are throwing nickels at you you're going to dance to make them stop you're going to do anything to make them stop throwing change at you because obviously it hurts and you just want it to stop and like I said this may be a reach and I know no way that anybody in the band feels that way I know nobody in Paramore is fueled by money but this lyric just makes me think of dance monkeys dance while people are just throwing change at them and they're being pelted by it until they start to entertain those people that's why I think it's a heavy lyric I just I I know nobody really probably thinks of that but that's what I think of I just picture in my mind I picture people literally throwing nickels at everybody in Paramore and them just like trying to shield themselves until Haley finally starts singing and the band starts playing music and then everybody's clapping their hands like oh yes finally they're doing something for us and I know I'm taking this to an absolute extreme but maybe it doesn't mean anything but this is what I think of when I think of that line in No Friend and I think it's super heavy I almost don't want to know if I'm right, but I hope that I'm not because that's, that's just like such a sad image to 
think about, but that's what I think about when I hear that line. They drop a nickel in our basket and we'll do our riot dance is probably one of the heaviest lines that I've heard in a really long time. So that's what I think of. And I hope you guys think about something when you hear that line. And maybe it's the same thing that I do. Maybe it's different. Maybe I'm crazy. Maybe I'm literally making shit up. But yeah. (laughs) So the next line that we have... Painted lips to me represents fake happy and beneath another burning sky, basically saying things are falling apart, but Haley is putting on a smile to appear like everything is fine. Then Aaron moves on and addresses the idol worship themes where he says, so throw your pedestal of stone in the forgetful sea as protection from the paper thin perfection you project on me. Basically saying Haley is done with being put on a pedestal that is made of solid stone and forget that it ever existed and hope that it never returns and the idea of perfection people project onto her which is shallow and senseless it's a bold line because it's going along with idol worship and trying to put to rest the idea of heroes and obsession which is something that i've been trying to address more and more with the idea of celebrity being a social construct and how everything is bullshit in that regard i'm so glad all of these things are being brought up because i know for me it helped shape me and the way that i shifted my perspective in the way that i talk about people and strangers and really just put the idea to rest that heroes are regular people and they exist outside of comic books because that's not true so that's all I have to say about that line so next up we have I feel like this set of lyrics is talking about everything is finally catching up to Haley, the repetition of touring and being in the band for a long time. But when she's home and by herself, she shuts the shades and lies in her bed, the bed she has created with all the things that she's either accomplished or fallen short on. I'm assuming a lot of this is on her mind and just a lot in general is on her mind because he says the most unrestful bed, the most original sins. She's probably wrecking her mind of all the things that she's felt that she could change and everything that she wishes she could change maybe even going back as far as when the band was formed and then that's what you get when you let ambition win it's a call to riots that's what you get when it says that's what you get when you let your heart win but I think this is Haley thinking to herself she deserves this because she's tried to do too much and she was too hopeful and things didn't pan out the way that she had planned and she's just self-loathing in all of it which is something I do every single day I feel this is a vulnerable set of lyrics because I picture someone shutting off everything after being overwhelmed and just brooding in their own guilt and all of their failures so that's what I think that that set of lyrics represents next up we have This is heartbreaking a little because this is basically saying, I will suffer for you. I will sacrifice my happiness so you can be happy. And then kind of passive aggressive and drown my dull reflection and the naive expectation in your eyes. Basically saying, as I drown, I still see you expecting me to be perfect and being unbreakable. Even as I have already sacrificed myself for you and I'm clearly showing it right now. And you still don't understand the pressure that you've put on me. And then the line, I had a butcher's heart and no one thought they knew me. Basically saying she's finally gone numb and emotionless. 
timeless and nobody has seen her like this because she used to be so full of life up until this album cycle. And now all of a sudden she's anxious and experienced depression, which is something nobody's seen her go through. The line is talking about her finally breaking and just being a shell of a human being, which is what I assume started hard times due to the lyric, all that I want is a hole in the ground. This line kind of sums up after laughter because the band never really experienced emotionally any of these things together, or at least Haley said that she's never felt anxious or depressed prior to this album being made. So maybe they felt, maybe the other members of the band have felt it in the past, but Haley herself said this is the first time that she's ever felt anxiety or depression or any anything like that. So that's what I think that that lyric is about. Next up we have. This is basically saying before we go back out on tour, I want to set something straight. I'm still invested in this band. I'm still here for this band, but I'm not your hero. I'm not your savior. I am not a higher power. I'm a person and you don't really know me. I don't think it's meant to be as harsh when he says you're no friend of mine in a sense where the band doesn't want us to interact, but I think it does mean don't act like you know me. We aren't actually friends. You know only what you think you do because let's let's be real. None of us, unless you're like a rare free the breed of person that's listening right now you're not actually real life friends with the members of paramore it's pretty cut and dry you're not my friend and also it's my favorite lyric on the record um that's basically all i think about it it's basically saying you don't really know me we're not actually real life friends don't act like that we are you don't really know anything outside of rumors that you may have heard about me so that's that's really it (laughs) the next line we have Obviously, everything that I just said, he's just reiterating it. I love that they keep going and pounding in this, I'm no savior of yours, but you're no friend of mine. Um, I, I love the line. I really want to scream it with Aaron every time I hear it. It's really powerful. And I think that it makes a lasting impression on the listener. Uh, the rest of the song, I'm going to just play for you guys really quick. A lot to unpack here. Basically, Haley is fully aware of what people think of her and how they perceive her. She knows people call her their hero, their idol, their role model, and they think that she's perfect. But obviously, the way people see her is not even close to the way that she sees herself. She knows herself and she doesn't get why people would want to idolize her because she doesn't feel that she has it all figured out, even though people think that she does. She doesn't feel that she should be worshipped. Personally, I don't think anybody should 
be worshipped or idolized or any of these things. And she's recognizing it and trying to fix it. And I hate that I might actually be afraid to let myself down. I feel like they know the story. I feel like she's scared of being selfish in this line because this whole time she's said, I hate to let you down. But now she's finally saying, shit, I'm actually afraid of letting myself down and my band down. I love these fans and I love all these people, but what about me? And I think the thought of caring about herself more than the fans in a sense worries her and she doesn't want to let them know that. And then the rest of the song is talking about the story of the band. I feel like this is all representing Haley wanting to be a part of the band and being tricked with the way that the contract's laid out. Out, and by the time that she had gotten to it, she already was too late, almost as if it was a trap and she was sucked into it because all she wanted to do was be in a band and people were just telling her to let go of the situation, but she had already signed the contract. I know the contract follows her and I know that she can't really shake it. She mentioned in the Fader interview, she wanted out of the business side of the music industry, but her cr- her contract wasn't allowing her to do so, which makes me believe that this whole last part of the song is representing her wanting to be free from all of the business and everything that comes with it and it just won't let go of her you know I let go of the coat but the coat won't let go of me I feel like she was letting go of the contract in the business side of the music industry but the contract won't let go of her and I also think that it represents maybe like the demons from the past from 20 uh from 2010 like I let go of all of that you know aggression and all of that we wrote all of these songs but I feel like it always haunts me I feel like articles only want to talk about 2010. I feel like every time that we get interviewed, it's always about the downfall of the band when members left, this, that, and the other thing. And I think she's just kind of over all of it. I think she's over the contract being held over her head. I think she's over the money aspect. I think that she's over constantly being asked about things that they've already as a band gotten over and obviously Zach's back. So they've already cried over it. They've already written songs about it. They've already, you know, They've done everything about it. So why do articles in 2017 still bring up something that happened seven years ago? You know, all all of this stuff that she doesn't want to talk about, but people won't let go. So I think that the I let go of the coat, but the coat won't, won't let go of me. I feel like that represents two things, but I think that they're both connected. So I think at the end of the song, she's finally just accepted everything and wants everybody to know that if they need anything else from her or if they want anything else from her or the band that they've just succumbed to it and they want us to know that no matter what they love us and they're grateful for us being here. So I think that the song just really ends on a strong note because it's the story of the band. It's also Haley finally telling the listener like, Hey, I I'm trying to let go of all of these demons and I'm trying to move forward with my life, but it just won't let go of me. But you know, if there's anything else that I or the band can give you, let us know if nothing comes of it. Just know we're grateful that you guys have stuck with us through everything. So that's really the whole song to me. I have so many feelings about Idol Worship, No Friend, this record. Literally, I have feelings about After Laughter as a whole. I already did a review episode on it, so obviously I'm not going to do it again. But for people that don't know Aaron Weiss or Me Without You, this song is just brilliant. It's everything that he does really well. He's just a master storyteller, lyrical genius, and all around just an amazing dude. I'm so glad this is a Paramore song. I'm glad it explores themes that have yet to be explored. I hope Haley got clarity from this, and I hope that the band also got some clarity from this. The song is super heavy lyrically and musically. I think that it's incredible. I think that the members of Paramore really shine on this song. It's different. It has a collaboration that they've 
only done one other time, but Haley was in the song. I think everything about the song is so bold. I love that it's an outro for Idol Worship. I love everything about it. I just can't, I could go on and on about this song. I'm just really glad that it exists. And I really hope that this was some sort of therapy for Haley, for Taylor, for Zach, for everybody in Paramore. I hope that this record, you know, it's in itself was therapy for them. I, I know that they've mentioned that the songwriting process was. So I, I love hearing that in the music. Like I love that they say that it was therapy for them, but I also love hearing it lyrically, them getting out all of these demons because the song literally sounds like a diary entry of getting out demons. So I do want you guys to know that this, this song, this episode is my interpretation of the lyrics. I do not know any of these to be fact. I do know that Paramore is here for the fans. They love this record and they aren't here for money. I mean, shit, even Haley says, I don't want your money in idol worship. So I hope that if if you guys take anything away from this uh, interpretation episode, that I am not saying that um, in any way Paramore is here for money. And I want to stress that because the the nickel in our basket uh, lyric, I feel really strongly about, but it's not because I feel that Paramore wants money. I feel that people are throwing it at them and they're kind of confused on what to do. And they're like, well, I guess if people are throwing money at us, we have no choice. We have to entertain even, even though they like, you know, performing. I don't know why I'm talking in circles about this, but I just want everybody to know that I am not saying that um, money is driving Paramore to do anything. I really want everybody to understand that. So that's all I have to say about No Friend. The song is super powerful and has a lot of ways to interpret. I hope you guys like what I had to say. I know this is a different kind of episode, but I just wanted to get this all out. And since this is a special episode, I'm going to play you guys the original song that was supposed to be the intro to this podcast. The song is called Elixir, and it's actually by my boyfriend's band. They're called Expel. This is from their EP that finally came out called Dark Loves. The intro song to the podcast currently is an iPhone recording from a practice back when the band just started out as a post-rock project and I still love that song. It's my favorite song that they've ever done. You guys can get the EP on their band camp and check out all their older stuff. It's all super good. The next episode I'm putting out is the part two of my two-part Lana Del Rey Lust for Life review episode with Pat and it's going to get really interesting because the second half of the record is very political so make sure you guys stay tuned for that. Uh, Listen to part one if you haven't already. Even if you're not a Lana Del Rey fan or you really don't care about Lust for Life, Pat says a lot of interesting things about the record and also the last 20 minutes if you guys just want to check that out. We talk a lot about um, how people should get political. A lot of older generational people think that the Super Bowl and other things that they like to enjoy shouldn't be political. But me and Pat think the exact opposite. And we praise Lana Del Rey and other artists that are well known taking their platform and becoming political. So make sure you guys, if you want to listen to at least the last 20 minutes of that um, episode, please do, because we explore a lot of um, good stuff that I think everybody should be more aware of. But of course, before I leave you guys with Elixir, remember you guys can find me on Instagram, Sam is Socks, Twitter is Rebel Hearts Girl, Facebook.com slash Rebel Hearts Podcast, and email me at rebelheartspodcast at gmail.com for absolutely anything. I will see you guys at the front. Here is Expel. (laughs) 